Right now, we're in the African savanna on a beautiful, sunny summer morning, where we're witnessing a young Amazon PPC campaign in its natural habitat. This juvenile campaign is just two weeks old, newly birthed from Seller Central. You can tell this campaign has so much natural instinct with its fresh new auto-targeting ad groups. Watch closely. You can see already it's learning how to stand and grow, reporting on clicks, conversions, and ACOS. While it seems like this young campaign is healthy and strong, in its youth, it's extremely vulnerable and unprotected from lurking predators. Michael, look! On the horizon, a herd of fierce, irrelevant search queries are approaching. Ah, yes, Stephen. While these queries are dangerous, they don't attack like a lion or a jaguar. Instead, they are parasitic, slowly debilitating an Amazon campaign by draining its ad spend budget to death with low conversion rates. This poor young campaign, defenseless and completely unaware of the encroaching danger. Oh no, the predators have descended upon the campaign. And look, here comes, galloping in the distance, a search term with 75 clicks and no conversions. This is surely the end of this young campaign. Aha, what's this? Suddenly appearing out of the brush. It's a fully grown ad badger charging in. He's coming to save the campaign. And completely upgrading the campaign with new bid optimizations. Michael! The ad badger is completely pulverizing the vicious, unprofitable search terms. The ad badger has proven himself victorious once again, and he will go on to fight and defend more Amazon campaigns here in the savannah for many years to come. What's going on, Badger Nation? It's Mike and Steven from Ad Badger, and you are listening to the AMZ PPC Den podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast and your source for all the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. And you guys can find all of our episodes, show notes, and links at adbadger.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everybody out there in Badger Nation? Welcome to episode 51 of the PPC Den podcast. Steven, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How are you doing? Steven, I'm doing great because we got this awesome, slamming five-star review from Jackie on Apple Podcast. She says, major Badger fan. Uh, this review, I swear my mother didn't write, but she said, thank you Badgers for this insightful and hilarious podcast. I've managed Amazon advertising for years now as a consultant and have made up many strategies and theories. It's so cool to hear you guys confirm these theories you came up with on your own paths and also to learn new theories and new perspectives. You got to be learning. You got to be a constant student. You guys are so funny. I can't tell if I listen for education or my own entertainment as rock. And That's awesome. uh, Steven, this review got me a little motivated to insert a little bit more comedy in here. Are you, are you, are you ready for a joke? Uh-oh. Uh, I'm getting nervous, but uh, why don't you go for it? What do you call a badger with a carrot in each ear? I don't know. Anything you want, because he can't hear you. He's got carrots <laughs> in his ears. Oh my gosh. That's such an bad joke it's an anti-joke it's like an elephant joke if you it's basically an elephant joke but just with the badger you know what elephant jokes are right this i think i probably like my subconscious found this in some kind of uh like jokes for seven-year-olds book 
There you go. Hey. There you go. <laughs> All the seven-year-olds out there listening to this, I'm sure, are cracking up right now. Dude, there's some hustlers out there. They could start earlier and earlier now. You know, I have, I, you know, my nephew, he's four. I'm, like, trying to get him involved, you know? Cheap labor. Get him working in the biz. Well, hey, we're hiring, so get him, uh, get him to fill an application. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about something, and honestly, Stephen, I cannot believe it escaped us for so long. This is our 51st episode, and when we were looking at it to review and recap episode 50 and our sort of our first 50 episodes, I can't believe we didn't actually take a deep dive on this. So today is the day that that changes as we talk about campaign structure, and I'm pretty stoked about it. And campaign structure, we're going to actually talk about what it means in a second. But basically, it's super duper important because how you structure things on Amazon influences your visibility. Uh, And we need to be sure that everything gets maximized. And what's really interesting, Stephen, is that a lot of times when people talk about campaign structure, they're actually talking about two different things, how we organize our targeting and how we organize our inventory grouping. Can you comment on that? Right. Yeah. So we, before this episode, uh, before we started recording, uh, me and Mike were talking about all the different strategies and, and noticed that they really kind of fall into two different ways of structuring your campaign. Um, so a lot of it is basically like thinking through what is the goal of this one campaign in particular. Are you trying to target a certain keyword or a certain product, a certain brand? Um, is it an automatic campaign? And then also what, you know, the, again, going back to the goal of the campaign is what products are you actually trying to promote with this campaign? Are you trying to promote an entire product line? Are you trying to promote just a specific product? So it's a combination of both, uh, you know, breaking up your campaigns by targeting type and also by, you know, your actual inventory grouping. Um, and also just to, to be fair to the podcast, uh, we have touched on this topic a lot. Um, in the early, early episodes, there was one called, um, we did like, the Hitchhiker's Guide to yes. PPC or something like that, parts one and two. That kind of touched on it. Um, we did a campaign naming systems episode that sort mm-hmm. of touched on this. Um, we also did a, uh, whenever we talk about RPSB, we usually talk about campaign structure, but here we are finally dedicating an entire episode just to campaign structure. So this is uh, uh, much overdue. You know, sometimes I tell people that like, you know what? Uh, what's special about AdBadger? Like we launched the world's first Amazon advertising dedicated podcast. And they're like, uh-huh. They're, and, you know, they're normally like, I feel like I've heard episodes of shows that talk about Amazon advertising. And then I'm like, no, every episode is Amazon advertising. Like every single one, period, end of end of statement. Uh, and they're like, huh, cool. Um, on, and honestly, I forgot why I started saying this, but really the, the point is we've, we've, this has always come up, but I think it's getting more and more nuanced and more and more complex that it's worth dedicating an entire episode on this because if your structure is wonky and, and, you know, we talk about how structures can be wonky, you know, a targeting structure of having hundreds of keywords in a single ad group, that's a wonky structure. That's really going to impact your visibility. We talk about the keyword dump that if you were to take, you know, if you have 300 keywords in a single ad group and you take out 10 of them and you put those 10 into a new ad group, you'll automatically net start netting more impressions than you did previously. So there's other situations where people have a mashup of all different kinds of products in their ad groups, and that can impact visibility in a similar way as keyword dumping. Um, so 
being really intentional and being really clear about your campaign structure, thinking about your goals. And then not only that, viewing your campaign structure almost as another thing to optimize for. So being able to look and say, hey, my campaign structure or the way that I'm setting up my targeting, it's not giving me what I want based off my goals. And this is actually another variable that you can actually optimize. So being really thoughtful about your campaigns, looking at it, you know, hey, I have a product family in this one ad group and two of these product families aren't getting many impressions. Why is that? And exploring that, is it a product issue? Is it a product market fit type thing? Or is it a targeting issue or a product segmentation type issue? So there's, this is a variable that you can optimize. And while I'm on this rant, the last thing I want to say too is that Stephen's like you're like looking at the clock, like okay. Oh no, I'm looking at the notes. <laughs> okay. Um, while I'm on this rant, I feel like the last thing that I want to say about it is one size probably doesn't fit all. Uh, you know, we break down a couple different targeting and and campaign structure breakdowns. And and we sort of give recommendations about when certain things are more likely to work. But I view this as the same kind of question of like, what's the best budget? And it's like, well, that's a moving target. And that's specific for every single product, every single company in the same way that the ultimate perfect campaign structure should be a variable that we optimize for, just like optimizing a bid. So that is that is how I feel about campaign structure. And that's how I feel it's so important on Amazon advertising. Right. Um, well, so Mike, with that being said, let's actually dive into um, some of the most popular campaign structure themes that we've seen pop up over the years. Yes. Uh, so we are getting more and more active in our Facebook group, which is really cool to see that inter- engagement sort of go up. If you are listening to this podcast, come on over and hang out, talk about Amazon advertising. Um, but you had a poll in the Facebook group, and mm-hmm. I don't remember everything that was on it, but it touched on a lot of these things. Uh, some of the things, some of the ways that you can structure is by search volume, you know, grouping keywords that, you know, your top, top keywords, grouping those together, you know, the ones that get clicked on the most. Yeah. So I've heard uh, people say that the, the keywords that get over... Yeah, so so I've I've heard three of I think the three most prominent campaign structure strategies. Um, number one that I've heard um, a lot of people talk about. I think this is the one that uh, uh, yeah viral launch actually recommends, which is structuring by search volume. And I think they say that you know if you have any keywords that are getting over a thousand impressions uh, either a day or a month or something like that, you should put those into uh, their unique campaign, um, or maybe it's a thousand clicks. But I thought it was impressions. Um, but that way. Um, you know, they won't consume if you run out of budget, um, those, those guys would c- consume the whole budget before the lower volume keywords kind of get any traffic or attention because the budget gets used up. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a second. The thing that Amazon recommends is, um, segmenting out your campaigns based on not search volume, but actual keyword targeting, uh, basically branded keywords versus generic keywords versus competitors, brand targeting keywords. Give me um, examples. Uh, yeah, so say you're you're you know Coca Cola. Uh, you you would want to separate one campaign that has Coca Cola, Coke, those types of stuff. Generic keywords would be soda, um, fizzy pop, and then your competitor <laughs> targeting would be you know Fanta or Pepsi or whatever. Um, cool. And they would say that because you know you can you can have separate budgets. Uh, you know maybe you you have a bigger budget for your competitor targeting because you're trying to be aggressive. So uh, for that reason, um, and then the 
the way that we normally recommend it is segmenting by, uh, I'd say a combination of targeting, keyword targeting type or match type, uh, or sorry, not keyword targeting, but your targeting type or your match type. So we would separate, you know, your obviously your auto campaigns from your manuals. Um, and then our manual campaigns, we would separate keyword targeting from product targeting. Um, and then when you actually dive into the ad groups, um, we'd recommend splitting up between like exact match and phrase and broad and keeping those all in separate ad groups. Sometimes you could actually even put those in separate campaigns. You have an exact match campaign and a broad match campaign. And that strategy mainly goes to uh, just to, you know, complement the RPSB strategy, which is mainly basically uh, adding those negative exact keywords to um, all of your broad phrase match keywords to make sure they're not seeing the impressions. So that's so that's what, what that strategy hope seeks to accomplish. Um, other strategies that we've heard, um, people offered this in, in the Facebook group, segmenting by um, CPCs and putting expensive keywords in a separate campaign. Um, and then, yeah, and then the final thing is, you know, do you put, this is going back to like the inventory grouping question, um, but yeah, do you, are you going to put a product family in one campaign, uh, all these similar products in one campaign, or are you going to put a single product in each campaign? Um, so single product campaigns. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of strategies going on. A lot of things we could we could talk about that. Um, but yeah, Mike, anything you want to add? Just that you know, in general, um, I I'm not a huge fan of like arbitrary things. So it's like if something's over a certain number of clicks and then sort of taking that one thing like over a thousand clicks or a thousand impressions or a thousand searches, whatever, throwing it somewhere else. I'm generally not a huge fan of doing things just because of, you know, some arbitrary number that was thrown out. So just like I mentioned sort of earlier in the show, I think all of these have different kinds of merit and they all have different pros and cons. But I think the big thing is that you know, if there's one thing to walk away with, it's to just think, start thinking of campaign structure as another variable to optimize, you know, because everything here has pros and cons. So what really works is it, it can be lots of different things. So the branded, segmenting branded, segmenting generic, segmenting competitor-based keywords, we actually had an episode on that where you even go as far as adding your own branded term as a negative phrase to your generic. So if you are Coca-Cola and you are targeting soda, you actually have the negative phrase Coca-Cola in there. So you never actually appear for Coca-Cola soda. So like every time you look at soda, it's actually soda is the, you know, the impression and the click that you, that you earned. So, and that has its own pros and cons as well. Um, so I think ultimately the big takeaway, if nothing else is, and we're going to get into further detail here, is to think about your campaign structure, analyze your campaign structure, you know, get second opinions on your campaign structure, talk to other people with similar kinds of businesses about your campaign structure. Uh, and let's actually sort of, you know, one thing that I try to recommend too, because, you know, even a low ASIN number, you know, even a low SKU count, even if you only have 25 SKUs, when you start thinking of automatic sponsor products, manual sponsor product, keyword based, maybe you want to segment out by match types, product targeting, refined category targeting, sponsored brand ads, you start throwing in some single keyword campaigns, so on it's sponsored display ads, all of these things can really start adding up. Um, and that can be really difficult to maintain. So I really try to recommend people to take time to try to visually map out what their 
product groupings will be and how that targeting will look and sort of build your product grouping clusters and then sort of have a, some kind of internal system to be sure that, hey, here's my six pack of markers uh, or my six, I'm going to group my six pack of markers and my three pack of markers and my 12 pack of markers together. And then from there, I'm going to like put the cluster, like, is it an auto sponsored product? Is it in a manual exact winner circle exact match campaign? Is it in a discovery broad phrase campaign? Is it in a product targeting? Is it in a refined category targeting? Like all these different things you can get really really lost if you're not being aware of it, which is why one of the things, first things that I do whenever I look at a existing campaign, you know, spending 10, 15, $20,000 and up, one of the first things is, hey, through the course of building this account, did somebody forget to run product targeting ads? Uh, and sometimes the answer is yeah. And you can sort of go in there and provide quick value just because um, that's sort of, there's no internal process to be sure that the products are grouped properly and all the targeting was taken care of. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. I listened to this podcast from Viral Launch before, um, but just to, so I don't uh, misrepresent their strategy, um, this is really quickly their their setup for campaign structure. Campaign one is they're saying everything is a single product campaign. Um, campaign one would just be an auto campaign. Number two would be a product targeting campaign. Number three they would call it discovery campaign, which is fifteen high and mid volume keywords. Um, one's a phrase match ad group. One's a broad match ad group. Then they have what's called a trailblazer campaign. And this is for lower volume key keywords that perform well. And he says around less than 2,000 searches per month. Um, so that's kind of the structure that they do. I don't know. Um, Google it, viral launch campaign structure. You can look it up. I will say the one thing about the less than 2,000 searches a month, um, if, you're, if you're trying to go off, a lot of people will do it based off of impressions. I personally think impressions is a bit of a vanity metric because on episode 49, we talked about, you know, actually looking up um, search frequency rank. And sometimes there's like a huge discrepancy between how many impressions you're actually getting and the search is actually coming through, um, especially because, you know, if you're looking at like, oh, this one keyword has like dozens and dozens of impressions. Well, all of those impressions could even just be coming from product pages and aren't even necessarily searches mm -hmm. that people are typing in. Uh, my theory since we're always talking about theories, is that Amazon actually indexes, since Amazon indexes these uh, pages, if your keyword is on another product page, then you now qualify for that product page placement if you're bidding on that keyword. I think that's the extent to which these keywords targeting goes. So it's so I wouldn't even focus on impressions. Um, that's my two cents um, as far as that goes. But um, Dude, you know it is illegal as uh, anyone in the Amazon industry. You can't quote other companies because you need to be an Amazon expert and never question anything and always have all the answers all the time and never wonder about anything. Uh, illegal <laughs> move. We have to call the FBI. Uh, you know, you might have your guru status taken away. Yikes. <laughs> But that's why I never like uh, the phrase Amazon guru or like Amazon expert. It's like, yeah, we know a lot, but like we try to learn even more than we know and like try to always like learn and absorb as much, much information as possible. So that's actually really cool. That's, that's actually really interesting. Um, can we do something now where we sort of walk through like really simple situations of organizing campaign structure all the way to really, really complicated campaign structure. Cause even what you just described about, you know, setting up different single product campaigns, there comes a point where you literally can't do that because there's like a campaign limit on Amazon. 
where you literally can't do that because it would become too cumbersome to even manage, even with a bulk file. So, the you know, that's where, you know, like just saying every single product should have its own campaign. It's like, yeah, probably sometimes, but there's going to be situations where actually that's just not feasible. So let's take it down from super duper easy to really, really complicated campaign structure. And let's jump into this segment. Alrighty. By far the easiest way, the easiest situation, the easiest campaign to optimize, the easiest campaign to build a good structure for is a single ASIN. Super duper simple. Uh, Stephen, walk us through how you would organize an account that they only have one single ASIN. Because there's maybe people just starting out, or maybe there's people that are just bringing, you know, bringing in buku bucks with a single ASIN. Yeah, so if you have uh, just a single ASIN, uh, we're assuming no variations, um, basically you would always want to start off with an automatic campaign. Um, that's just that's just the basic the basic start. Um, you are going to, so this is what, what we do recommend that you've probably heard us talk about before, um, but we like to build out our campaigns based off of um, targeting, basically segmenting by, by actual, you know, targeting types. Um, so we would break it out. So we'd have your automatic campaign. Um, you're also going to want to have definitely a manual campaign. Um, you're going to have, actually, you're going to end up with about three different manual campaigns. One is going to be keyword targeting. Another one's going to be product targeting. And another one is going to be, uh, categories, uh, category targeting with, uh, you know, category, what do they call product attribute refinement? or yeah, product attribute targeting refinement or PAT. Um, and so you, essentially you could have one manual campaign and you could have three separate ad groups, one keyword targeting, one product targeting, one category targeting. Um, but it's always kind of just been our habit to segment out those different campaigns um, just so you can kind of monitor the uh, like the ACoS and performance a little bit differently. Um, and then the- Would you say, uh, talk to me about how you would handle the exact phrase in broad there too. Yeah, so, you know, I, I could go either way with either having all of the exact, uh, yeah, having all your keywords in the manual campaign. And definitely I, I like to segment out um, exact phrase and broad match keywords into separate ad groups so that you can negative exact your phrase and broad match and keep them, you know, purely um, mm -hmm. discovery. As a discovery, yeah. Um, and not just picking up on old stuff that you know converts. Um, we're not going to go back over RPSB because you guys should probably know what that is by now. And I don't want to repeat ourselves on the 51st episode. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not anti the strategy of having an exact keyword campaign and then a phrase match keyword campaign and a broad match keyword campaign. And the reason I say that is because it does become a little bit easier just in terms of like speed of doing RPSB, um, you can just always, you don't have to separate between campaign level negatives and ad group level negatives. Um, because if you're doing RPSB and you're adding all of your exact match keywords to as campaign negatives to your auto campaign, mm -hmm. but then ad group negatives for your broad match keywords, uh, it'd be easier to just keep everything a campaign negative if it was segmented in that way. Um, right. You can already see the amount of decisions you need to make, even if you have one single ASIN and no variations. Yeah. And you said at the beginning of this episode, Mike, that, uh, the two things to think about when 
doing your uh, campaign structure is one is just making sure you're getting the most visibility and just optimizing your campaign setup for that visibility. And then also just to maximize the performance on every single ad, on every single keyword or, or product target. Um, the other thing I would keep in mind, I would add the third thing, is you're going to be the one working with these campaigns. So you want something that's going to you know, give you a, give you a quick workflow. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest benefits of a good campaign structure is making it really easy and fast to manage. Um, and so when you're doing RPSB, it kind of does work better if you have single product campaigns, uh, if you're Mm -hmm. doing that, you know, match type targeting type segmentation. Um, oh, and that's another reason why we separate category targeting, uh, with, with uh, those refinement options from actual ASIN targeting campaigns because you can negative ASIN uh, category targeting campaigns. Uh, you can do negative ASINs on those. You can't negative ASIN auto campaigns yet, but you can for category targeting. So that's kind of why we like to do that. Um, and then the final thing that you're going to have for this single ASIN is you're going to have um, at least one sponsored brand ad. Um, we talked about the single keyword sponsored sponsored brand ad strategy. If you were doing that, then you would probably have like three or four sponsored brand ads targeting different keywords. Um, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the kind of default setup that we would go for. That's right. So this is the, you know, the easiest product grouping strategy because you have no choice but to create single product campaigns, single product ad groups, because you only have one product to advertise. Super duper straightforward. Uh, and I mean, we can, you can even go on and on, you know, as you want to say, you know, Hey, let's add in a few single keyword campaigns for sponsored brand ads. Let's throw in a a few single keyword campaigns for sponsored products. Uh, and all of those things. I think the big thing, when you just have a single ASIN, make sure your workflow is efficient. That's always going to be true. And then just make sure you're hitting all your bases. You don't want to leave a new ad type or a newer ad type, uh, you know, left, you know, alone, you you haven't tapped into it. So being thoughtful about all the targeting strategies that you can have, having those listed out, and then being sure that you have your one ASIN in all these new ad types. Let's increase the complexity a bit. Let's say that I'm selling something, uh, let's say I'm selling, uh, you know, let's say I'm selling an iPhone cord and I have three different variations of it. I have a one foot model, a three foot and a six foot. So how do we, let's say we're starting from scratch here. How should we be thinking about these products? Are we going to segment them right from the get-go? Should we group them together from the get-go? And then does, is that going to change over time? Uh, what are your thoughts here, Stephen? Yes, yeah, so when it comes to variations, the so let's just talk about really quickly, like, if you have variations, it's probably going to be either a variation of size, like you just described, like a cord size. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be a variation Co- of color. color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or it'll probably be variations of quantity. like... Quantity. Quantity. Yeah. Like, you know, a two-pack version or a five-pack version. Um, or or like just bigger, you know, say you're selling protein powder. You know, you can sell yeah, it. Yeah, of course. As I'm like, buying it, dude. Yeah, you can, say, you can sell it as like a one-pound or a five-pound. Um, one thing just to keep in mind with those ads is... The, when you, so if you're, if you're someone types in protein powder and they see a one pound and a five pound, um, the prices points on those are going to be very different. One's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. 10, $20, the other one's going to be 50, 60. So that is going to make a difference probably on like the click through rates. Um, so first you got to do is you, you kind of just got to figure out your research, um, 
because also if the $50 product sells, um, the sale, like if, yeah, if it gets a conversion, maybe the conversion rates are lower, but Hey, when those conversions come through, uh, you win big. And so they're worth advertising with more aggressive CPCs. Um, and so I would, and for that very reason, I would definitely, definitely, definitely put them in separate ad groups. And we talked about this before products that are at different price points, you want to put in different ad groups because they're going to convert differently. Uh, they might not convert as well. So you might want to bid lower, but the sales price could be bigger. So you want to go higher. So you definitely want to get that data and, you know, figure, figure that out. And then going back to the example, you said with the, um, with the sizes, um, the different sizes, if they're all the same price, um, the other thing that could pop up is maybe people are actually typing for three foot cord or six mm -hmm. foot cord specific um, searches. Yeah. Right. To, to that, to that variation. So, so that is another reason why you would want to keep them in separate ad groups. Um, I think Amazon, so if they were on the same ad group and someone types an iPhone cord, technically all three of those products qualify for that. If you're bidding on that. Um, oh, but that's the other thing. Yeah. You, if you're, if you have a six foot cord and three foot cord all in the same ad group and you're bidding on the keyword, like mm -hmm. you're doing, you know, you're converting search terms. One was like three foot cord, one was six foot cord. And you have all those same keywords in your same ad group with the same products. Well, sometimes in three foot cord, Amazon might show the six foot cord. Uh, so you definitely want to pair up your keywords with the exact, with the exact match keywords, with the searches that are coming through. Uh, right. So I think what we're getting at here, sometimes it makes sense to segment these, of course, you know, if you have different prices, those have to be segmented. Um, for specific searches, specific search terms, like if somebody's actively typing in, uh, you know, give me the green variation or give me the six foot iPhone cord, whatever it might be, you know, that's where you need to look at these things and pay attention to. And when those searches pop up, it's almost like you're doing RPSB to, with your product structure as well, where you're sort of saying, hey, this product needs to be in its own ad group with its own specific exact matches uh, so that when somebody searches six foot, they see the six foot and not the other one. And then in addition, if I have the three foot and a six foot in an auto campaign together, we need to be thoughtful of too, you know, if somebody searches a six foot, I don't want it to trigger my automatic three foot auto ad group either. So we need to be really thoughtful about making sure we use negative keyword sculpting to just basically funnel the right searches going directly to the right product. Um, cause that's, you know, the fundamental between any digital advertising, the right product to the right person at the right time. If you're creating opportunity where somebody's searching for a six foot cord and it could trigger your three foot cord auto, that's a little bit of an issue. So that's where you'd need to start segmenting for those specific search terms. So Anything else to say about when you have sort of one product with variations? Yeah. Uh, final thing is you could put, so I will always, always, always go for single product ad groups. Um, at least not all the time, but like nine times out of 10. Um, or you could also go for single product campaigns if you just want to be a little bit more segmented and make sure each, I mean, yeah, just, you could go either way. I prefer single product campaigns just because it's easier to, for the workflow, it's not, it's not, you're not going to see a difference in performance. Um, but like we said, you also have to keep in mind, like, you know, the workflow and ease of management. So I, I do prefer the single product campaign setup uh, just for that very reason. Alrighty, now let's turn up the dial on the complexity. So now we move from, I have just one single ASIN, no variations. Then we threw in some variations. Now let's throw in a different kind of company. Let's take a company that sells 
do-it-yourself, make-your-own-beer-at-home company. When they approach Amazon, they're in a very different situation than the person who sells a single ASIN or a single ASIN with some variations. Now, all of a sudden, we have different families of products. So maybe this beer company sells you know, the big box full kit. Maybe they sell individual pieces like pumps and funnels and tubes. Maybe they sell glasses. For this kind of situation, are we, would there ever be a time where people are grouping the full kit in the same ad group as their individual pieces and their pumps and funnels and tubes and their glasses? Is there ever going to be a situation where people should do this? In the same ad group? In the same ad group. Can you think of one? Uh, why that would be a good reason? No, <laughs> no not yeah. at all. I can I cannot. That was not a trick question. I, okay, can, I yeah. cannot think of it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, the, everything that could possibly go wrong with that, it, like that we were, we've been talking about, um, you know, the keywords that you could be targeting, uh, mm-hmm. the prices there, um, yep. or even just, yeah, everything's going to be off. Yeah. It's, it's cause, and, you know, the, the thing here is that these all of these products don't compete for the same terms. So somebody searching do-it-yourself beer kit, they're looking for the kit. Somebody searching for beer glasses, they're looking for glasses. Or if somebody's searching, you know, some kind of special tube that is associated with these beer kits, then they're going to be searching for that. So because all of these are not competing with the same searches, it's very straightforward and it is to keep these product groupings separate. Uh, and then you start to have sub-decisions, right? So obviously the full kit that gets treated, you know, with targeting segmentation, where it's, you know, you have it in your auto, then your manual, and you know, all different kinds of manuals, then you have it in your sponsored brand, all different kinds of that. That's your full kit. Then you have to repeat that process with your beer glasses. Now, all of a sudden, you have your beer glasses, and you need to put those in your auto, uh, in your uh, manual, different types of manual. And you can make the same decision as when you had variations in the context of this more complex company, because now there might be vari- variations of the pint glass of the beer glasses. You might have big glasses and, you know, maybe you have even bigger glasses. And then there's going to be situations where maybe you sell a beer mug and that's going to be broken out because that's not going to compete for the same term as a standard pint glass. So you start to make all of these sub decisions per product when you get to a company like this. And maybe this company has you know, 10 ASINs and some of the ASINs have variations, you know, maybe the beer kit comes in, you know, an advanced version versus a getting started version. And you're going to make the same decisions where, you know, maybe sometimes the beginner's model doesn't compete for the same term because maybe people are searching beer kit under a hundred dollars. Uh, whereas your more advanced one is two fifty, things like that. Mm-hmm. So you we're making all of the, these decisions as we talk about our product grouping, as well as our targeting groups as well. So Mm -hmm. all those same decisions about structuring targeting, you're making per product, and then you're further making the decisions about your product groupings, you know, are the same keywords going to be competing for these things? Is it going to impede my workflow? And at this level, it's probably not going to impede your workflow because it's not like you have hundreds and hundreds of ASINs. All right. So now, Mike, let's get this a little bit more complicated. And so Mm. let's say we have a, a big product line, um, and we've got lots of products that all compete for the same term. So it's not like we're not having a full kit versus a whole like do-it-yourself, make-it-at-home beer kit and then beer glasses, um, mm-hmm. like two different products. What if we have, um, I mean, you gave the example before in the uh, our online academy lawnmowers. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could have lawnmowers of different sizes. You could have push lawnmowers. You could have electric uh, lawnmowers. You could even Gas have those powered. lawnmower tractors. Yeah, versus yeah. electric. Yeah. 
but they're all going to be bidding on the same keyword for lawnmower <laughs> because it's lawnmower, relevant to all of them. That's right. Rel- and then and you that's- might have t- 12 different variations of a gas powered one. And right. then you might have 20 variations of an electric and so on. Right. So what strategy would you recommend um, for that situation? I, I actually think this is one of the toughest, or, or, or I should say, not toughest, but it, it always, I, when I'm optimizing campaigns like this, I always wish like, oh man, I wish this keyword like said the thing a little bit more explicitly. So this is really good too, because this really shows you the overlap between product segmentation and how we group our products into product families or individual products. And it overlaps so well with targeting because what you will end up doing, and, and this is where it becomes really fitting to start segmenting based off with more attention to targeting, where we're going to have generic keywords that are going to apply to more than one product. And then we're going to have specific keywords that only apply to maybe some products. And it's really difficult because you know people might even search something specific like gas-powered uh push lawnmower with 27 inch blades. And, you know, maybe you have a variation of it where one lawnmower has a bigger gas tank than the other. And like, that's the only variation. So you get into situations like that, where you sort of have to keep asking those questions. uh, Should this, does this belong together in the same ad group? And the answer is going to be sometimes yes, because you're going to have ad groups for sort of shared keywords. And then sometimes no, where you're going to have specific keywords where maybe someone does search, you know, large uh, capacity, lawnmower, gas tank, so on and so forth. So it's a lot of those decisions. And, and these are real things to think about and real things to look at, look at when you're structuring campaigns like this. Um, Stephen, how do you like to approach this? Well, keeping search frequency rank in mind. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm, before I jump into that, you all, you still have to keep in mind before you keep thinking about search frequency rank is what are your campaign goals? Um, right. Is your goal to just get as much money as possible? Like, is that the goal of these campaigns? Like, dude, I don't care. I don't care if I sell a thousand of this one unit and nothing, like I don't sell any of the other units. Right. I would rather just, if that's going to get me the most money, I would rather do that then, so basically, yeah, uh, say you have 10 units and one unit always sells on this keyword, the other ones don't. Well, you could just have that one unit just keep stealing all the sales for that for that keyword uh, right. and be happy with getting 100, 100 sales on that one. Or you could be like, okay, I want the other ones to get some sales from this keyword as well because I, I want right. to give these ones a boost. I need um, to move my inventory. How about that? I move the inventory. Sitting. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so maybe you do want these other keywords or sorry, these other products that don't, you know, they don't rank as well for that. The CPCs are going to be a little bit higher. Um, so that's where the, so let's go back to search frequency rank. Now say lawnmower is the most popular search. Um, you have all these products in different ad groups. Um, if you look at just to keep it simple, let's say they're all single keyword ad groups and they're all single product ad groups groups. Uh, you have 10 lawnmowers and they're all bidding on the keyword one single keyword lawnmower. The -hmm. CPCs on each of those products will be different um, because, and let's just assume they're all just getting top of search placements just to keep it easy. Um, The CPCs on each of those are going to be different because Amazon's going to discount the product that converts the best, that gets good click-through rates, that has good reviews, that gets Amazon a lot of money. Um, The other products, if you want them to get up there, Amazon's going to charge you a bit of a premium, or or I should say not a premium, but they're not going to discount you as much. So if you, you know, if you're bidding $2, you might actually pay $2. Whereas the other product, you're only paying $1.50. 
Um, so that being said, um, if you just want to maximize your sales, then yeah, if there's one product that just performs really well on that exact match keyword, way better than the others, then then yeah, take that. You know, you could even negative that negative exact that keyword for all the other ad groups for all the other products. So that Amazon doesn't cycle those in. When someone types in the search lawnmower, Amazon like rotates the ads to figure out which one's performing better. So those other ones will get you know occasional appearances. Um, but yeah, you negative exact that if you just want to maximize sales and you just want all the traffic to go to that one uh, that one product. Um, but if you're trying to move all the inventory, then then yeah, you can have them all bid on the same keyword and it's not a problem. Just you know, you have to calculate bidding strategies at that point. For sure. And, you know, I think this is really, really good because it's highlighting that campaign structure is not as so it's not it's not as so easy as just sort of writing one thing and just sending it off and having it be perfect forever. There's so many complexities that come up here. You know, how do we want to move our inventory? Um, Am I trying to go after an Amazon's choice badge for a particular product uh, and a particular search? Uh, you know, taking that into account. So there's so many layers here, which is why it's worth looking at and revisiting maybe quarterly or so. Are our campaigns structured the way that we want? And is our targeting strategy and our, the way that we segment our targeting giving us what we want? You know, are we leaving anything on the table? I think that should always be accounted for. So the products should be in all the ad types, any new new ad types, you know, trying to jump and jump on those and test those out. Um, so making sure that it's in, you know, exact broad phrase, auto product targeting, refined category targeting sponsor, like all of those things. I think that's table stakes. Like we need to mm -hmm. be present everywhere we can. And then when you start getting into the, you know, how do we structure it in order to, for it to give us our goals, you know, that's another conversation. So in this lawnmower example, a lot of considerations and to sum it up, you know, how would you basically sum it up? Because we see we see quite a number of people like this where their keywords and their searches could apply to any number of their products. You know, give us the 10 second summary about how to approach these before we move on to even more complicated situation. Single product ad groups, SPAGs, um, you can put them all in. You could do single product campaigns, but it might be a little bit easier for you if you group them by product family and then do SPAGs. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then break out your targeting from there. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 So real quick. Yeah. So the campaigns themselves would be segmented by targeting type. Um, right. So you, but then in each campaign, uh, the ad groups would be segmented by product to clarify. Okay. Right on. Now let's move to something even more complicated. Imagine, you know, knock, knock on the door and it's like PetSmart or a company like that. Huge pet store. They've got, you know, 5,000, let's say they have 5,000 SKUs. We've got all of the situations. We're going to have unique products that they only have one version of. We're going to have semi-unique products with some variations. Maybe it's a Santa Claus dog sweater and it comes in Chihuahua and 50 pound and, you know, 100 pound size. And then maybe it, then maybe they have cat products and they have cat food and they have different kinds of cat food. Uh, and then they have all of those cat towers and, you know, huge variety of litter boxes. And then they have everything, but for dogs, you know, so they have dog food and then they also have stuff for hamsters. And we have all these different categories, all these basically taking everything above and combining it into one We've got 5,000 SKUs, Stephen. What is your thought process when 
someone's like, alrighty, how should we be thinking about campaign structure for an account like this? Right. So, um, as we just said a few minutes ago, if you had, you know, one ASIN with a few variations, it's like, heck you have so few products, just give each product its own campaign. Um, you'll just really be able to segment the data and compare stuff and, you know, do really good reporting. But now, you know, once you start getting to 5,000 SKUs to have 5,000, uh, campaigns, (laughs) um, for each targeting type for each product. So you're gonna have 5,000 auto campaigns, 5,000 manual campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, for each product, that's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be unmanageable. And not to mention, I uh, just pulled this up, the maximum number of campaigns you can have in your account is 10,000. Um, right. So this will strategy will just not actually be possible. Um, right, because so 5,000 5, SKUs multiplied by auto, manual exact, manual phrase, manual broad, we're already over 10,000 easy. Right, yeah. 5,000 times four is, hold on, let me get the calculator out. 5,000. I'm just kidding, I know what it is. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, man, I was getting worried for a second. <laughs> You're about to fire me right there. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I saw it in your eyes. Um, so in this strategy, or in this situation, um, I would opt for the strategy of definitely going by product family. So you were giving examples. You said you got your cat products. Um, well, you have, you have your cat towers, your cat food. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, I would do like campaign. Campaign one is going to be cat towers. Campaign two is going to be cat food. Um, both of those, just keep simple, let's say those are both going to be autos. Eventually, we'll make the manual campaigns for those as well. Right, so um, cat food, manual, cat food, so on and so forth. Correct, yeah, cat food, manual, keyword targeting, cat food, manual product targeting, cat food, man, or automatic targeting. Um, mm-hmm. Then cat products to be, like, be all encompassing, you can use a portfolio for that. Um, mm-hmm. So you can take advantage of that. So you can group all of your cat products into a portfolio, which is one step above the campaign level. Um, so you can group multiple campaigns in a portfolio, just like you would have multiple ad groups in a campaign. Um, but I would still go for those single product ad groups even at this level. Um, and the reason for that is, and this is actually one of the most powerful reasons for SPAGs. Um, we've talked about this before. If you nowhere on sponsored product reports, if you were to look at the the you know the reports that you can download, nowhere does it ever show you, you know, which search term came through, and mm-hmm. which product got that sale. And same with keywords, it never shows, it never equates this keyword mm-hmm. got a sale for this product, this search term got a uh, sale for this product. Um, it'll show you which ad group it was in, um, it came from, um, but it won't show you which product. However, if there's only one product in the ad group, there you go. Now you know. And so what you can do is say you've got, you know, let's just go with the, the cat, cat food example. You got your campaign cat food. You have 20 different cat foods, all these different sizes, all of them in their own, you know, different flavors, different sizes. Um, let's just say 50. You got 50 different cat foods, 50 different ad groups, all with the, you know, the product name in the ad group. And then you download a uh, like a keyword targeting report, and you're like looking at okay, which of these you, you know, you're only looking at the keyword exact match cat food on this targeting report, and you're looking at like okay, which of these keyword targets that we were targeting had the best conversion rates, had the most sales, and you can be like, oh, it was this one product, like this product got a really good click through rate, really good conversion rate, and you might decide at that point, you know what, I'm going to dedicate this one product to that keyword, and you know pause this keyword on all the other ad groups and just let this one really, you know, uh, steal the bacon. 
Mm -hmm. Of course. And, and then you start to get into decisions of, you know, is that the goal of this particular ad group? Are we trying to just move inventory? Because there's there might be some times where you might need to, you know, redistribute uh, the that search term to other products in order to move them. Um, so that's another consideration to make here too, you know, really understanding what the goals are. And, you know, it sounds like then from there, we would sort of just repeat that process for dog food. Um, you know, you'll, then you'll have different kinds of, different kinds of dog products, uh, and all your different kinds of animals. So those would be the big campaign level. So basically we're saying here, you know, high level product grouping, and then you, then the, you pair it up with the targeting and then you work your way down and you use those ad groups to really be organized. Um, it, you know, in, in some ways when you have 5,000 SKUs, it's, it's almost a little bit clearer what you're supposed to do than the previous example with the lawnmowers. Uh, it, it almost seems like when you're have such a, when you're at that big size, it almost necessitates, it becomes clearer what you need to do. It's like, of course I need to put my dog food into one campaign and that's the auto. And then I'm going to have separate ad groups underneath it for all the different kinds of dog food. Almost in some ways it becomes clearer there. And then you're going to see what search terms are super duper high winners. Um, for some reason, that, that seems a little bit clearer to me. Before, um, we, before mm -hmm. we move on to the final uh, scenario here, Mike, I'm curious your thoughts. Um, if you could choose in this uh, you know, pet store example between having... So here, I guess, would, are the two strategies that I would opt for either one of these. You could either have a single product campaign, and then so you have like you know, your 20 different cat food campaigns, let's just say. Um, and in each of those... Uh, campaigns, you're breaking off your ad groups into, you know, you got your exact match here, your phrase match, your broad match for that one product. Mm -hmm. Exact match, phrase match, broad match, and product targeting and category targeting all in separate ad groups. Right. And you can do your negatives all throughout there. Or you do, uh, you just have an exact, so you have a cat food campaign and this whole campaign is just exact. And then you have another campaign, mm -hmm. cat foods, and this one's just phrase. And you have all of the products, rather than doing single product campaign, you're doing, you know, single match type, I guess, campaign, yeah. and then all of the products there, but then you're adding negatives at the campaign level. Uh, any, mm -hmm. do you think there's even a difference there? I think a combination of both actually is ultimately what you'd want to work towards. So you would have, you would have the second thing that you talked about where you have multiple products, uh, inside one campaign, uh, where you're generating that kind of data. And then there are going to be, I think, situations where you're going to want to peel that, like peel, almost like your RPS being an individual product and you're, you're graduating that up to its own campaign uh, because, you know, potentially the data might dictate that. It might, it might tell you, hey, in some area, in, you know, in the, this grouping of SKUs, it actually doesn't matter. We don't need to, these aren't huge revenue generators for us. Uh, it makes sense to sort of leave these a little bit more grouped, but then every once in a while we'll see some rising stars and we'll be able to grab those and then dedicate some more time and attention and be a little bit more intentional with them. Alrighty, let's take somebody, uh, you know, with an absurd amount of SKUs, let's say 30, 40, 50,000 SKUs. Uh, That's what, I not don't even know. absurd, Mike. You know, we have a client with 400,000 SKUs right now. <laughs> we have a client with 400,000 SKUs and it is uh, some kind of, like, it reminds me of like dinosaur times where dragonflies used to be like six feet in wingspan. Uh, it's just like unfathomable, unfathomable, 
to think about this <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. So this is where I think there's this thing in science, I think, uh, if you like zoom in far enough, like the laws of space and time like don't apply anymore. And I feel like all of those things that we've mentioned so far, we've gotten so big now where like the laws of space and time no longer apply. Uh, when you're at 400,000 SKUs, there's no, you literally cannot create 400,000 campaigns. You can't even do a single key, single product campaign, just an auto for everything. You can't even do that. Um, so Steven, you're the one who manages this, this account and like everything's pretty darn good. So, I mean, how do you handle an account with 400,000 SKUs? Well, um, I've told you single product ad groups, uh, I will always stand by that. And the reason for that is, um, you know, if all the products are in one ad group, um, then they're all going to be getting the same bid on all the keywords. Um, and you know, you may be willing, some may, you know, at that huge level, say this one keyword, man, the A cost on this one keyword is way too high. We got to pull down the bid, but there was one product that was performing so well on that keyword. And it was the other products that were really dragging it down. Um, Mm -hmm. what did I, Oh, you know, I, I saw a funny, Oh yeah. It's called the mob effect where essentially, um, you've got all these products in the same ad group and one product is basically, um, just robbing (laughs) all the other products of sales and really just Mm -hmm. robbing you. Um, you know, you get, you know, three or four products that are not performing well, but they just steal all your budget, um, you know, don't give you any money and, and they just, they rob you of sales that the other product could have gotten. Um, but you can't actually control the bids. So you can't actually bid more on the product that's performing well and bid less on the products that weren't performing well. Um, so even with this huge account, uh, I still opt for single product ad groups so that we can bid differently for each individual product. Uh, however, you can only have 20,000 ad groups in one campaign. Um, so mm-hmm. we have to, we do end up having to have like multiple, multiple, multiple campaigns, each one with at least 20,000 ad groups. Um, mm-hmm. and you can have, yeah, you can have up to 200,000 ad groups in an account. Um, so that is where things get a little bit tricky. Um, so you would have to, at that point, start, um, either grouping, you know, well, so in this one sp- specific example, not every product in the, not every SKU is actually in the buy box. Mm-hmm. So we're only, so we're actually graduating products. We have all the products lumped into one single ad group in one single campaign. That was actually, um, how the client came to us, 400,000 products, uh, in one single ad group. That was an auto mm-hmm. campaign and that was it. Um, but what we've right. been doing is we've been, we've been graduating the products that are winning the buy box because they're getting impressions, getting clicks. And we are graduating them to a new campaign where they get their own ad group, um, where their own bids are optimized for that product based on that performance. Um, and then, yeah, if we hit the limit of 200,000 ad groups where we have 200,000 products that, you know, migrated and got their own ad group, um, then we would probably start pausing uh, or archiving the products that just weren't performing well. Um, we've already been doing that because some of them, you know, they get like thousands of clicks and never convert. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we are so we are archiving those ones uh, and continuing the, the growth process. Yeah, and I think that's about as as complicated and as it can probably get. Stephen, we've done it. We've done the episode on campaign structure, which combines product grouping, product families, and targeting strategies all in one. We've walked through a, the most simple example and worked our way all the way up to 400,000 SKUs. 
Mm-hmm. You have anything else to say for Badger Nation out there? Um, well, you know, we didn't even talk about, you know, the single keyword campaign strategies, but, you know, we have right. a whole episode dedicated to that. So there's there's more intricate um, strategies involved, but the, this is like the main structure, the main strategy. Um, I would say one final thing to keep in mind, and this is what I was about to say earlier, but I said I'll save it for the end, um, is that there are campaign level settings that affect every single ad group and keyword in the campaign, um, mm-hmm. such as your placement settings. So if you have, you know, 20,000 ad groups, 20,000 products, 20,000 ad groups, um, hundreds and thousands of keywords going on in there. Um, if you say, oh, top of search is doing well, and you increase right. your top of search, um, you could essentially launch all these other products that had never won top of search before to top of search, and now they're performing horribly because it was the other products that were performing well up there. So yeah, that's that's the, the cool thing about you know segmenting as much as you can is that you can be like, oh, this product performs well at top of search, but this product performs better on product pages when people are doing like product comparisons. So just a final thing to keep in mind when you're determining your strategy. Um, and yeah, let us know what you guys think. Join us in uh, the Facebook group and, you know, facilitate discussion. We love to, to learn from you guys as much as we can as well. That's right. And I've got a question for Jackie who left the review at the top of the show. Jackie, did we educate and entertain? I hope so. Have a good one, everyone, and we will see you next time on the PPC Den Podcast. Have a good one. Hey, everybody. It's Mike here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And as some of you may already know, the podcast isn't all that we do when it comes to Amazon. Uh, We actually spend the majority of our day working on building the best Amazon advertising tool we possibly can to help automate a lot of the concepts that we discuss during the show. Yep. And we appreciate you as listeners. We'd love your feedback about our app. Uh, And if you're interested in giving our free trial a shot, just head on over to adbadger.com slash podcast deal. That's adbadger.com slash podcast deal. Thank you so much for the support, guys. We really do appreciate you and we'll see you next episode.